We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Of course, Nick. Of course. Of course. Of freaking course. So the second this podcast drops, uh, we can pretty much confirm Marcus Aldridge will be officially a net at this point. I mean, Kyrie Irving will resign. James Harden will resign. DeAndre Jordan will be bought out. It's it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much, you know, a lock at this point. But, Jack, before we jump into the Paul Millsap signing, quick reminder, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, what were your thoughts when you saw the news? You saw the, the sham bomb. You know, it was Paul Millsap decided to sign with the Nets after I said I thought he was the Nets are at the bottom of the list. But it came through, and he decided he wanted to be in Brooklyn and compete for a championship. No, I mean, I was mildly shocked because I think that your takes and your opinions probably, you know, left an imprint on me and I had low expectations. You know, the only bomb I sort of expected was a, a DeAndre buyout or maybe a LaMarcus Aldridge, which we yep. will get to a little bit later in the pod too. But as soon as I saw that news, I'm like, okay, cool. Um, it's, I, I think it was a welcome surprise for me, for Nets fans probably everywhere. You know, the links that with the Nets have had to pull Millsap over previous years have been, you know, pretty goddamn lengthy. Yep. You know, we talked about yeah, literally yesterday, you know, is he going to choose to decide a, you know, a championship, you know, minutes in the rotation or money? Because a lot of other teams could have provided him, you know, two or three of those things. The Nets can only really provide him one, maybe two, depending on the matchup, depending on the what the occasion calls for. But ultimately... You know, we saw the Shams bomb, uh, bang, bang. The, the Nets got another one. And, I, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it actually did make me think about our off-season pods and, you know, the, the, the first days of free agency and the frustration levels that I had somewhat towards Sean Marks. And I'm like, okay, I've got to preach patience to everyone as well as myself. But the, the patience has been worth it, Nick, because now a lot of the gaps that we've sort of spoken about in terms of front court depth, general depth in general, um, the, a bit more size, a bit more rebounding, all uh, a bit more defense, all these things, you know, they're, they're slowly getting ticked off the list. And Sean Marks, is, uh, he's doing a heck of a job. And the, the signing of Paul Millsap is just another tick on the resume. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I think, like, I was surprised about it because, like I said yesterday, based off all the reporting and all the things that we saw, it seemed like, hey, 
you know, Paul Millsap's probably going to prefer a situation where he can get the money or he can get more minutes. And like you mentioned, there's no lock. He's getting a ton of minutes in Brooklyn. Like he'll be in the rotation, I would assume. But again, kind of getting to your second point, Sean Marks has done a really good job with this roster. You know, there's a lot of veterans, a lot of good players, a lot of players that are playable in the playoffs. And Millsap kind of checks another box, just bringing more toughness, a veteran, high basketball IQ, can do some different things in the floor. And it just gives you more confidence if there is an injury or you need some type of insurance or somebody to step up. This is a guy that's been in the league for a long time, has been in different situations and has really been a complimentary player. He's never really been a star. So he understands how to kind of assist guys and being better in different elements. He can kind of add to the nets. Jack, how do you envision his role in Brooklyn? Obviously, we had the report from Shams that mentioned, you know, there's a possibility Millsap could start. Yeah, and look, you would have to think that that is some sort of draw for him. And obviously, you know, maybe that comes directly from the agent. Um, but at the same time, you know, we can talk about a little bit about, you know, forecasting possibly LaMarcus Aldridge within this front court rotation of him, Blake, uh, Claxton. Is Millsap going to be predominantly a four? Will, will that move KD to a three, which will allow him to, you know, probably a, uh, have a less taxing. Uh, on the body and such and, and save it for like, you know, the, the postseason like, you know, AD does at the five. Uh, I'm, I think that it will be a shared experimental rotation as it was last year in the regular season, Nick. And we'll, we'll by game 70 or so, we'll be like, okay, Millsap's going to be a small ball five or Millsap's going to be a starting four or he's going to come off the bench. He's going to be matchup dependent. He's going to, he's got some reps on, on, on Joel Embiid. He's got some reps on Giannis Antetokounmpo. So, I think that it's hard to forecast at this point. I don't think I would start him just because, I don't know, I we're all Clack City stands here. A lot of people talking about Joe Harris possibly going to the bench, but I would rather Bruce start over Joe Harris as well if that were to be the case. You know, just have you know, Clax and, and Bruce Brown, I think, uh, just talent-wise and guys that can give us a lot, I, I would prefer them. But that's not to say that, you know, Paul Millsap won't get his starts here and there. And I think that, the understanding and the that Steve Nash is going to have to garner within all the players in that front court because Blake, is he going to be the, the starting five? Is is it going to be LaMarcus Aldridge if we get him? Um, is it going to be Clax? Is it going to be Millsap at the four and uh, and Blake Griffin at the five? It, we'll d- dive a bit into the rotation a little bit, but predominantly when it surrounds Paul Millsap, I'm I'm unsure, Nick, but I'm I'm glad uh, of the you know the, the the lack of clarity that I do have yeah. because it's a good thing to have so many different options in a way that the Nets, that, that a championship team shouldn't really have, you know, you especially a championship you know, caliber team with three max level guys. You're normally looking at, you know, vet minimum guys that are like Jared Dudley-esque and no, no slights to the new Dallas uh, assistant coach, but uh, he wasn't, you know, really producing much. And, but, you know, Paul Millsap is genuinely a guy that we, and we spoke about and we always hark back to, can you produce for us in the playoffs? Can we get something for you out of the playoffs? I think we can get that with Paul Millsap. Now, d- does that mean he starts? I don't know. But what are your thoughts, I guess, on that? Yeah, I think like kind of what you mentioned, Jack, it's really hard to determine this until we really know that LaMarcus Aldridge is going to be a net. In in my head, how I would envision it, I think I'd rather see LaMarcus start at the five. And I'm not sure if I'd really compliment him with Millsap at the four. I mean, that could possibly be an option. I think you kind of play it by year. And even if you had a situation where you start Millsap and Griffin, 
maybe Millsap is kind of just getting those starter minutes in the first quarter and third quarter, and he's not playing that big chunk. Because I think, honestly, that's important. I think it'd be kind of irrational to expect him to play more than 20 minutes a game because, you know, his last two or three years in Denver, he played 20, 24, 27. So last year playing 20 minutes, not starting all the games for Denver, think that would be a situation that would make sense for Brooklyn. I think you just look at it from a versatility perspective. Maybe you're starting different guys, different nights. You know, it's matchup dependent. And also, you know, the luxury and the downfall of having all these former all-stars is they are up, up there in age. But it's nice because now you have depth on the rotation where, hey, Blake's sitting tonight. Paul's going to play a little bit more or LaMarcus is sitting tonight. You know, Blake's going to play a little bit more, whatever it is. Now it kind of gives you some ease in terms of not taxing these guys. You mentioned not taxing KD at the, at the four, but even just taxing these guys throughout the regular season, like it's a grind and there's going to be a lot of matchups where you need specific guys more than maybe others. So I'm really yeah, excited. Oh, sorry to cut you off, Jack. I was just going to say, it's really exciting because like you mentioned that you have kind of competition and versatility where no guys, you know, maybe a true star anymore, but they might be a star in this matchup against this player. Yeah, throw in Daron Sharp as well, a guy that you know, I didn't even mention as well, who could certainly fight for some minutes given his talent and you know what you know, the, the Nets gave up for him. If you're giving up a first rounder to to draft a guy, you know there's going to be something. There has to be some something that you see in him. Um, for the record, Nick, on B ball ref, the past four seasons, you know, in Denver, um, Paul Millsap has played 38 games. Uh, in 2017 and 18, 17, 18, 19, 51 and 19, 20, obviously in that shortened season, and 56 last in. So relatively durable enough. You know, a guy that's going to be out there, obviously in his age 36 season, I wouldn't expect anything more than 65-ish games from him. But also the thing that intrigues me the most, Nick, is the position estimate. And last season was the season where he played center the most in his career. 20% 20% at the center position and 78% uh, at the uh, power forward position with 2% at the small forward. The season, just the season before that, he only spent 4% 4 uh, at the uh, center position. So I think that's something to consider as well. Obviously, they had Nikola Jokic, who's going to be spending the large majority of the minutes there. Um, and Millsap plays alongside to provide, a, I guess, some defense uh, and balance it out there. But also... You know, he played with a lot of the second units. And, you know, you got Jermichael Green now. And, and essentially, funnily enough, now they have Jeff Green. Um, so it's sort of like, you know, a, a Jeff Green for a, a Paul Millsap swap, some people are saying. I don't, I don't think it's as reductive as, as John Hollinger. More so Paul Millsap and Patty Mills for Jeff Green, as Ben mentioned on Twitter. Agreed. Agreed. I think that's the, the best way to look at it because the Nets chose not to give the... Uh, the taxpayer MLE to to Jeff Green, and they got you know two guys for the price of one. I guess if you want to put it that yep. way. But does it does the my sort of position revelation not really revelation, but um, the what I the information I just told you about him playing at the center, him playing at the power forward. What do you expect from that? Obviously, we we spoke about his role starting and such positionally. Where do you think he stands? Yeah, I don't really trust uh, B-Ball references uh, positional like percentages, but I would say just watching Denver, you saw more, you know, minutes had a small ball five last year. I think he had probably more success there. But at the end of the day, I think you're looking at versatility. Like there's a, a you know, kind of a combination of him and Nick Claxton that makes sense in my head. You know what I mean? Like, cause that, that provides you a lot of different versatility because of Clax's skills. And then offensively, you can ask Millsap to sit at the perimeter, you know, space the floor a little bit if Clax is going to be the role man in that situation, or even if Clax is developing his three point shot, like we talked about yesterday. So I, me personally watching Millsap, 
obviously I don't watch Denver intently like every single night, but I've seen enough where he did lose a step like we kind of mentioned yesterday, where I think small ball five is probably a better option for him in most situations. But it's not to say that he can't play any minutes at the four, especially depending on the matchup. It's not like there's a million elite fours in the NBA where you need to have a lockdown defender. So I think it's kind of just the how you're going to use the combinations of different guys. You know, is LaMarcus Aldridge on the team? Is he getting minutes with uh, Blake Griffin? Is he playing minutes with James Johnson? You know, is it with Kevin Durant? I'm not really sure. But there's just a lot of options. And I, like I mentioned before, you know, Paul Millsap's always been more of one of those complimentary guys, less of a, a star type. So I think he'll be able to adjust to this role. And obviously, he picked this situation to compete for a championship. So he understands there's going to be some sacrifice when it comes to other things. Oh, no, no doubt about that. And I guess we, we mentioned a lot of names there, Nick, and you know the skill sets of, of Blake, of, of Klax, and possibly of LMA. We might as well just chuck him into the mix because you know the, there are strong rumors surrounding him, and we'll get to that and touch on it a little bit. But in terms of... Paul Millsap and, and where do you think he can be utilized best individually? What 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 do you expect that to happen? What do you think Steve Nash will do? Obviously, I, I honestly think that there'll be so many different things thrown out there. You might see him out there with, with Bruce Brown in the second unit. You might see him out there with, with Clark starting. You might see him out there with, with Blake, you know, a bit of offense, defense, um, sort of old vet heads, a bit of toughness about it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. What do you think is the best version of Paul Millsap? Obviously, as of you know September second, uh, I, I think that that is likely to change. It's going to be. I'm fascinated to see how he is best utilized and how he 
best utilizes his strengths and nullifies his own weaknesses with his age and all those sort of things to still be an effective player within the next rotation because he's going to have to fight for it, like you said. Yeah, I'm honestly really intrigued. I mean, there's some other there's some elements of his game that I'm unsure about. You know, what is mo- his mobility like? Is he going to maybe lose a little weight and try to get a little bit quicker, you know, as he gets up there in age? Is he going to shoot a higher volume of three-point shots? How is that going to impact his percentage? I think we saw a stat from our guy Matt Brooks. Catch-and-shoot numbers for Paul Millsap were around 38%, which isn't amazing, but it's not terrible either. And obviously, you're going to get a ton of open looks in Brooklyn. So, like I said, I think really, based off of what I saw from Paul Millsap last year in Denver, I think as a small ball five is really one of his best options. He's not going to give you much rim protection. It's going to be more switching type stuff. I'm not sure how well he's going to switch at this point in his career. He's going to have to rely on his high basketball IQ and other elements of his game. And then, you know, if I was playing him with another big, I would probably want to play him with Clax because Clax is the quickest of the bigs that we have, or even possibly a James Johnson. I think playing him with Blake and LaMarcus could be a little tough at times unless the mobility is there. And that's really just the biggest question mark for me and Paul Millsap right now is how quick is he really going to be at this point in his career? And can he play those minutes at the four next to another big who's not not super quick. Like Blake is quicker than LaMarcus by a fair margin, but it's not like Blake's the elite athlete he once was. Yeah, for me, I, I as much as like, you know, I mentioned the sort of b-ball ref stuff there, you know, you take some of the stuff with a grain of salt, but I think that the number one thing that I take from it, that we saw the most version of a small ball center from him last season is something that intrigues me because I could see him alongside KD and I think that that would be pretty lethal. I mean, any player alongside Kevin Durant is going to be awesome. You know, we saw Bruce Brown um, provide a pretty lethal one-two combo with him and Paul Millsap is uh, an equal of a passer. You know, he's a, a really nice facilitator in terms of, you know, what we saw from him in Atlanta, obviously playing alongside Jokic in the system in Denver. You know, he's going to fit in really well offensively. You mentioned three-point shooting. Defensively, obviously a good rebounder. You know, probably not the best switchy sort of dude, uh, given his age and such. But you know, I, I think that they'll be able to cover the weaknesses, like with clacks and, and and other sort of rotations that should be able to finagle and and, and figure it out a yep. little bit. So I think just having him as an option um, is going to provide the, the Nets, you know, a, a lot of flexibility, and and that's what you want. You know, you want flexibility in your rotation, whereas. You know, some other teams out there are like, okay, we've only got really offensive guys here. So, you know, you, you, uh, we're going to be comparing a lot to the Lakers because, you know, it's just the, the way that it is. Biggest competition. Biggest competition. There's articles out there already about it. But, you know, the, you look at the Lakers and their, de- their reputation as a defensive team, I think it's going to go to the wayside at least somewhat because of the rotation that they currently have. You know, Carmelo yeah. Anthony, Malik Monk. Kendrick Nunn. Kendrick Nunn isn't that good of a defender. If anything, he's below average. All yeah. the guys that they have, you know, you know, acquired, if they do get our guy DJ as well, um, it's not necessarily sitting the house on fire defensively, but you look at Blake Griffin and what he did in the postseason. You look at Nicholas Claxton and being one of the best switchable defenders. You look at Paul Millsap and his reputation there. Uh, it's a, a, you, you would say that maybe the Nets are a better defensive team. Now, I don't think that that's going to be the case for the regular season, but in the postseason when it does matter... Um, I think the Nets will be solid enough in that department. But in terms of the defensive talent, I guess, the defensive acumen, the Nets look okay. Yeah, I think the biggest advantage for the Lakers would probably be Anthony Davis. You know, obviously, defensive player Class of the year. Better, right? Class City. What does Anthony Davis have? He's got some what, jalapeno ruffles that no one even wants to buy during goddamn hurricanes. I'm not going to lie, those are pretty good. Um, <laughs> um, but also, I think LeBron's, you know, still a very smart defender, Not doesn't really play that well in the regular season. I think but, KD's better, though, Nick. 
Yeah, I think that's a fair argument. I've heard that actually discussed on a couple different podcasts. And I think that's something we'll see going to the year two is does LeBron's age finally start to catch up to him. But getting back to the Nets, I think also you just look at Paul Millsap as a guy that can fill in some of the role that Blake Griffin plays sometimes. You know what I mean? When Blake is sitting out, you know, hey, we're going to plug in Paul Millsap here and he's going to play similar role, do similar things in the floor. He's going to be an undersized five in different situations. What's his three point shot going to be look like? I'm not really sure. Like we kind of talked about offensively, he should be able to give you, I think, a little bit more in terms of like posting up sometimes. Like there's sometimes where I think he'll take advantage of some of the switches the Nets get just because he's such a physical guy and try to turn that into an easy, quick possession, you know, running on the break. You know, you got a point guard on him. He's going to try to pin him. James Harden's going to hit him, try to lay that in. That could be something we see a little bit. But I think it's just like you kind of we've kind of talked about. Just the versatility he provides. I don't think Millsap at this point in his career is really amazing at anything, but he's still pretty good at a lot of things. And that's all you need. You know, looking at some of his per 36 numbers, you know, across his career, it's basically eight or more rebounds apart from one season, which is what you want. And for a guy who's, you know, going to be averaging you know, 10 to 25 minutes for the Nets, depending on what the game calls for, that's what you want. And yep. we had our misgivings with Blake at certain points in time with some of his rebounding. That's one thing you can get from Paul Millsap and, and have a bit of reliability there. Solid boxing out, good positioning uh, in that regard. And you know some reliability in the postseason as well. So I'm I'm intrigued to see what he can give the the Nets in in a lot of different regards. I think that you know he's just general basketball mouse. You know I always talk about you know is a guy beyond just a skill set. You know just yep. a, a one way sort of player. I think he's got enough skills to be like okay he's not a liability on either end of the floor. Obviously, his age is going to be the the number one factor that he, that factors into that. He's not you know Chris Paul or, or LeBron James in that facet, but he's still got something to give. And he was, if we're talking about the free agents that were left on the market here, Mayfrey Bradley, some of these sort of guys, Paul Millsap was one A, if not in his own a class of his own, as being the number one free agent left. And he went to the the team that everyone forecasts to be one of, if not the best team in the league. So making the strong stronger. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I mean, I thought this, and it's kind of like you've alluded to this in free agency and different trades and different things, is you're also keeping away from other teams. You know what I mean? Like, he's not going to the Lakers. He's not going to the Warriors. He's going to the Nets and just giving them another good player on the roster. Like we've said, he's not the same player he once was, but he can still provide something, especially in that smaller role if you're not depending on him. It's funny because it would be interesting. I think it would it would literally be somewhat humorous if the Nets were to as we likely forecast, by DJ out and Alizé Johnson is is waived, um, that the the Lakers go after our scraps and the amount of content that that will provide in terms of gifts and memes and reactions and Twitter back and forth would be quite humorous. And, you know, the, the discourse around DeAndre Jordan will immediately change and they'll be finding old Lob City clips replaying the Brandon Knight dunk, uh, replaying the Brandon Knight dunk like uh, till the cows come home. But... Uh, I thought that would, that would be just a, a little bit of a funny thing, but I, I guess before we do get to um, a, a question, a few questions that I have to ask you, Nick, do you th is it now the a nine? It's it's fate accompli that DeAndre Jordan is going to be bought out um, in in a matter of days, and, and we'll probably have to do a maybe a mini pot on that as well. Yeah, I think considering the Lamarcus Aldridge news and the fact that it says that the Nets are leaders in terms of signing Lamarcus after he was cleared um, medically to return to the NBA, and then the combination of him and Millsap, just it would make a ton of sense for him to be bought out. And 
like we talked about on the last show, there's no reason really for him to be on the team because his role on this team isn't really having much of an impact. He doesn't necessarily give the Nets what they want. And like I said on the last show, like maybe he could go somewhere and have an impact. There's definitely questions about how DeAndre's age and how that impact his game and also the changes in the NBA and the weaknesses he has. So at the end of the day, I thought it was already pretty likely. And now it just seems almost confirmed at this point. Yeah, and look again, buyout plays. Let's not attach a, an asset to, yeah. to get rid of him because at this point in time, it, it doesn't make any sense. And you know, especially because about, you keep getting good veterans at veteran minimum. Exactly, and and it's not like the the Nets need a Derek Favors now with the Paul Millsap acquisition yeah. or, or or some other guy. Maybe there's some veteran wing out there. I, I have no idea, but. Nick, uh, in, in saying that, um, with Sam Bassini, who is currently living in Australia, uh, makes, and I think we've made this comparison as well, to David West as a, a sort of presence on the, the locker in, in the on the roster that he will have, similar to what Paul Millsap could have for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, David West in his final two seasons as a Golden State Warrior won some championships, so if that comparison ring is true, I would be more than happy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty good comparison. It's a guy that was once an all-star, obviously has aged, but still provides something and can be somewhat of a spark and gives you some toughness and also can have an impact in that small role. You know what I mean? Like he could be a guy that comes on the floor in, you know, a finals game and plays, you know, maybe it's only four minutes, but he makes four good plays in those four minutes and that could swing the quarter and which could swing the game and which could swing the series. Exactly. So it, all it takes is a game. All it takes is, you know, a possession here or there. You know, we had low expectations of Blake Griffin uh, and he exceeded them and then some. Um, yeah. I'm intrigued to see what Paul Millsap can provide this team, you know, given all the skills that he does have as a basketball player and all the the, sex that he, the success that he has had. Obviously, he doesn't have a chip yet, so it's probably why he's heading to Brooklyn. Probably the, the number one reason, uh, given everything that we did say, that, you know, he could get... Uh, at other teams, you know, be it Chicago, Golden State, or the Lakers. So uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what it is. And, and David West, obviously, I think was a, a really solid vet, uh, a really, really solid vet, a good locker room presence and a big part of the nucleus of Golden State and, you know, just the culture. And the, the Nets preach culture maybe more than any other team uh, over the past five years under Sean Marks' tenure. So I think Paul Millsap is going to slot in seamlessly when it comes to that sort of culture fit. Um, and hopefully uh, we do get a direct comparison and um, we are talking about a championship and if not one, maybe two, uh, like David West won with the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, and I think also I'm intrigued to see is like, does Brooklyn have the fountain of youth? Like, is Paul Millsap able to turn back the clock a little bit uh, like we saw with Blake Griffin and even LaMarcus Aldridge? Obviously, you know, he was lucky enough to play with Nikola Jokic, who's one of the best players in the NBA. But playing with three superstars is definitely a drastic difference, especially when you're not being dependent on as much to produce in every single situation. So that's where I'm kind of intrigued. Like, obviously, I haven't really hyped up Paul Millsap because he's 36 years old. He's not the best version of himself. But I wouldn't be surprised if I end up being impressed by what he does in Brooklyn a little bit more than what I anticipate. Look, I'm just glad it's him over Kevin Love. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really uh, good point, Jack. I think also like some people out there still think Kevin Love would be a better option, but I think you have to look at Millsap and the fact is like what you pointed out before is like he'll be okay offensively and he'll at least be okay defensively where you look at K-Love. Yeah, maybe he'd be a plus offensively, but he is 100% a negative defensively and 
all of his career kind of points to that. It's not like we're talking about the last two years of Kevin Love's career. What about that Steph Curry position, Nick? Yeah. And where Steph, I heard Steph talk about the possession. He said that he let Kevin Love off the hook just because he wanted to match up with what Kyrie did on the other end of the floor. So I'm not trying to be disrespectful of K-Love, but I prefer Millsap in this situation in terms of what the Nets need and what he adds. Yeah, we've got a lot of love for Millsap, but yeah, I, I, I think the only thing that Kevin Love does better, uh, three, well, he does a, probably offensive things better, and I think he's probably would provide the Nets solid rebounding, really good rebounding in that respect. But who knows? It's a vet minimum at the end of the day, and when you get quality, any semblance of quality out of a vet vet minimum, you, know, you don't necessarily want them or expect them to be a Jeff Green, um, one of the best vet minimum signings in recent years. Uh, if you get what you got out of Blake Griffin, even that is is immense. Yep. So the the vet minimum allows you to sort of experiment a little bit. If Paul Millsap doesn't work by you know game fifty or whatever, maybe K K Love has gotten on a on a buyout. Maybe JJ Redick is brought in to you know juice up the offense. There are still options for this Nets team going forward, and I think that Sean Marks is going to be willing to to throw different darts at the board and and see which one hits bullseye. But at this point in time, I'm I'm really I'm really a fan of, of Paul Millsap being added to this roster, but. He has a lot of quality darts at this point. He doesn't have like those little dinky ones. Like he's throwing real shots at the board and has a chance to hit on almost all of them. He's not quite hitting the triple twenties, but he's getting goddamn (laughs) close to it. Um, Nick, I think a lot of people have put this out, at least on Twitter in in the discussion and discourse that I was seeing. Do you think Paul Millsap's acquisition takes away from Clax City's minutes? You know, if Clax is as good as we want him to be, I don't think it does because if Nick Claxton could, you know, take that step forward, he's better than these other guys because his skill set is unique in the sense that he can switch so well. It's what can he do offensively and can he limit some of the mistakes that he makes on the floor? So if Clax is ready for this opportunity and ready to play big minutes, I think the Nets will give him to him to an extent where so Millsap is a safer option for Steve Nash. So if he can't trust Clax, which it looked like he wasn't fully in trust of him last year, then that could lead to him getting less minutes, and maybe that's more for Millsap. But again, we talked about this on a lot of shows. Hopefully the Nets are in a lot of blowouts. That means minutes for the young guys. And also Millsap, LaMarcus, Blake, you know, these guys are going to get rested. Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, they're going to get rested. So someone's going to have to step up and play bigger minutes on some nights. Like there's going to be nights where only 10 guys are suiting up. No, definitely. And and you look at the skill set that Clax does have, you know, uh, I think Matt Brooks was the one that's uh, he he plays like a wing in terms of what he does defensively, and he's better guarding smaller guys. Whereas Millsap's better guarding bigger guys. Same with Blake, so yep. he he can play alongside them as a four, and then at the five, if he continues to to get stronger and improve his rebounding, which we saw in latter points of the season, um, continues to improve as a lob threat and chemistry with in, in the pick and roll with some of the small guys. Um, you know, you get maybe that three point start hitting, that three pointer starts hitting. He's going to get those minutes, and I think Steve Nash can see that. We can see the work that he's putting in. I'm sure if if you're getting t- taken under James Harden's wing, um, I, I doubt that we're going to see you know a, a drop from Claxton. This is like I said, you know, contract year for him, and he saw what you know Jared Allen got. He saw what Robert Williams got. I have a similar comparison point to to, to those two players in terms of the skill set um, and talent that they have. So 
you know, he could he could be playing himself to some, to some big big money yep. if he has a great season. And um, we know Nicholas Claxton's mentality. You know, upon the the James Harden trade, everyone was sort of talking about the lack of depth. And Claxton's like, you know what? I'm still here. No one talks about that. Yeah. Um, this is a, this is a kid that um is going to have a, a big big season. Uh, and I'm hoping for for many minutes for for Clack City. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and he's going to be a, a big big part of the net success if they are to go where we want them to go in terms of their goals. Yeah, I think you can look at it from a simple perspective. You know, if Claxton hits, you know, not his full potential, but gets up there, he's the best big on the Nets roster. And that's not a crazy take. All these guys are kind of past their prime. So if, you know, Clax's out there catching oops left and right, locking guys up defensively, making smart decisions, can shoot a respectable number from three, he should be the guy that the Nets want to play big minutes. But also, you could look at it, too, is the Nets are trying to protect Claxton like we talked about in the past and trying to make sure he's healthy for the postseason because he could really be the X factor in certain matchups. Yeah. I think the, the protection level there was because of health as well, because yep. you know he, he always has to get himself healthy mid season. Whereas, as he said before, you know, this is a healthy off season for him and you know, Blake's looking pretty trim as well. Um, yep. I, maybe it's just the angles of the photos, but you know, I'm not a big fan of Novak Djokovic, but I'm a big fan of Blake Griffin and he looked goddamn good in that photo. So um, I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how this big man uh, front, front court rotation does feel out, Nick, because it feels like it's been a long, long time since we've talked about front court depth for this Brooklyn Nets team, even Especially last... at the four and the five. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like We've seen, you know, when DeAndre was still pretty good, he was the backup center to Jared Allen, who was a, a very, a, not a very good, but a pretty good center in the NBA, probably top 15. And then even back to when it was Jared Allen at Davis, that was pretty solid, but we've never really had fours. And obviously Blake and Millsap aren't the same fours they want, once were, but but they at least can still contribute in some ways at that position. And if not, Claxton could probably play minutes at the four successfully. Yeah, I remember, I can't remember the specific numbers, but they were, you know, otherworldly, the, the two-man combination of Clax and Blake in that front court yep. um, with second units, you know, th they were just insane. Um, so I would expect to see more of that, if not um, some more experimentation, as we've alluded to earlier. But Nick, um, it, that wasn't the only Nets news that we saw. Uh, Shams Rania seems to be the, the the Nets hype man these days. He's, he's <laughs> in all the Nets news, and it's not just Spencer Dinwiddie. But he also reported that seven-time NBA All-Star Lamarcus Aldridge has been cleared to play again, passing all the necessary tests, sources tell the Athletic and Stadium. The Nets are leaders to sign Aldridge, sources said. Nick, what are we thinking about LMA back to BK? Yeah, I mean, Jack, we talked about this in the last show, probably a show or two prior. Like, ideally, if the Nets were able to sign LaMarcus Aldridge and Paul Millsap to finish off the offseason and buy out DeAndre Jordan and waive Alizé Johnson, I mean, that would be ideal. And it looks like that really could be the case. So I'd be ecstatic if LaMarcus is back. I think, you know, he provides even more of a need for this team being – a true center that has size and has some offensive pop and can really just add another element to the offense where you kind of look at Millsap, there's more similarities between him and Blake. Obviously there's still differences as well where LaMarcus is kind of completely different than anyone else that's on the roster. Yeah. In terms of being like just a defensive anchor at that center position, I think that's where he has, he can stand out a little bit from Paul Millsap because I think Paul Millsap's ability to be a four and a five and, and have a bit more versatility. Marcus Aldridge doesn't have that versatility, but we did see him sort of, you know, play some solid drop D. Um, you know, obviously I mentioned, you know, the Zion Williamson blocks and the, the, the possessions there. You know, the, the great thing to hear is that he is healthy. That was just yep. awesome news. I think that's the number one thing. And if he does head to Brooklyn, awesome. If he heads to and another healthy team, enough awesome. to return to the NBA, which is a pretty big challenge. 
Exactly, because th this is a, an injury and an ailment that you know ended the career of Chris Bosch, and to see you know him on his way back in in some form or another. Hopefully, it is in a Brooklyn Nets uniform, you know, because he didn't get the the real chance to strut his stuff. You know, he was really really good in the time that he um, yeah. was wearing. We wasn't really wearing the black and white; it was wearing like the blue and white um, for for the most part. Um, but in saying that, it just would add to the, the, an insane depth. Um, that the Nets are starting to build and acquire, Nick. And um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of LMA and, you know, the three-point shooting. He can he's to continue to show good rebounder, nice passer, just does all the things that the Nets would want. And, uh, again, another another option to have it as that center position. Yeah. You know, it doesn't necessarily tax Blake Griffin, you know, during the regular season. Um, I think he'd play pretty well alongside Clax, maybe not to the same uh, abilities. But at, at the same time, you know, LMA's more of a five and would be defending fives, whereas Clax could probably, you know, defend a lot of fours in the wings, as I was alluded yep. to earlier. So there's so much versatility if the Nets were to be lucky enough to get LMA again. But for me, the number one thing that I was just super happy to see is that medically cleared to play, which means that his health is on the up, um, which is absolutely fantastic news. Yeah, 100%, Jack. I mean, that's obviously, like you said, the most important thing. And it's a real challenge to come back from a heart issue. A lot of teams typically say no. It's just not safe enough. And the, and we know how the Nets are. They're pretty conservative when it comes to that type of stuff. And the fact that the Nets are the leaders, it would make you think that their medical team has passed him as well. So, I mean, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but you're looking at a roster that's probably one of the deepest and maybe one of the best in NBA history if everyone can stay healthy and kind of find their roles. There's just a lot of talent and experience on this team and you have three superstars deleted and some really elite role players not necessarily lamarcus or blake or uh, paul Millsap, but more so patty mills and then joe harris yeah scary hours as james harden would say it I'm i mean the sure starters and the bench is scary it's um not maybe certified lover boy hours i don't know donda <laughs> hours whatever we want to call it nick but i guess to to finish off we should i guess assess where the rotation is currently at um, and we can sort of slot in LMA there if you would like. But as it currently stands, then, you know, James Harden, Paddy Mills, Javon Carter, Kyrie at the point guard position, at the shooting guard position, you got Kyrie Irving, Cam Thomas, DeAndre Bembry. Uh, small forward, you got Joe Harris, Bruce Brown, Alizé Johnson. At the small forward, at the power forward, uh, Kevin Durant, Paul Millsap, James Johnson. At the center position, you got Griff, uh, Blake Griffin, uh, Nicholas Claxton, and Daron Sharp probably throw in LMA there just for the sake of it because it's going to happen probably once this podcast is done. <laughs> and then that doesn't obviously include the two ways who we don't know. One of them is at least Kessler Edwards and maybe David Duke, which I we hope. We'll be definitely doing a podcast with David Duke if that does happen because <laughs> we're big, big David Duke stands here at the Brooklyn Buzz. But Nick, that is a formidable rotation. Yeah, and obviously if LaMarcus is brought in, you're assuming that uh, Alizé is cut in this situation. But yeah. There's a lot of depth. There's a lot of versatility. You can plug guys into different spots. And I like the combination of having some elite offensive players, but also having some just real tough-ass dudes. Like, you got James Johnson on there. You got Ben Bray, You got Javon Carter. Even Paul Millsap and Blake don't really take shit. So Blake just, especially doesn't take shit. <laughs> yeah. So I just like that combination of having kind of like low-key enforcers while also having elite offensive talent. It kind of gives you a nice mix of both, like a little bit of yin to yang type thing, just because like, hey, both ends of the spectrum. And I think that's where I just really admire the roster construction by Sean Marks. Obviously, some things have kind of fell into his lap to an extent, but for the most part, filling out 1 through 15 is the most important thing, and sometimes people don't value you know, 10 through 15, but that really could be the difference. And maybe last year, if the Nets have a little bit better 10 through 15, 
they advance to the next round. Yeah, no, it's that's totally true. And you know, you mentioned sort of the enforcer elements. Uh, I remember, you know, going back to the early days of the buzz, two, three, four years ago, where it's just like the Nets need a tough guy, they need an enforcer, they need someone to be an a hole. And you know, we're talking about like you know, Toy and Prince is that guy now, guys. Um, I, I honestly don't buy into to that role, you know. You know, in general, you know, I think. I think know, it's. Sort of... I look at it more or less as like being an enforcer, as more of like someone who's going to grind and ride you on the other end nonstop, and it's just going to kind of wear on you mentally. Like Bruce Brown did it to an extent to certain offensive players, and we saw like Kevin Durant had a legendary series against the Bucks, but there were games where PJ Tucker definitely made his life more annoying. It's not that he was really able to stop him, but it's kind of just almost an annoyance thing, and it kind of adds another layer to. God damn, we got to beat this team that's stacked as hell. And now I got, you know, Javon Carter picking me up the entire quarter, James Johnson throwing elbows into my rib cage every two seconds. So it's just kind of just another element added to the team. Yeah, I think that enforcing element that you're alluding to, Nick, is actual on-court enforcing, not just Dwight Howard goon shit. Exactly. It's actually, it's actually just like really tough defense and boxing out, things that actually provide something for the team. Um, and And that's... You know, there's just a lot of people are talking about, you know, Javon Carter as just, you know, being relegated into this rotation. And, you know, I think that he'll 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 be a more valuable player than Landry Shaman in a lot of ways you can make the argument for given, you know, what he provides defensively. There's just so many different wrinkles to this team. You know, we could discuss, you know, five man rotations, you know, till the cows come home about this team because of the amount of depth um, and versatility and, and positional flexibility that they do have. So uh, it's going to be uh, a, a fun, fun season, and hopefully the Nets do stay healthy because uh, I think that could be their their biggest hurdle to success, to be honest. Yeah, I think it really is. I think talent is, you know, no question here. I think, you know, guys are going to probably fit together. They're going to have success. They're one of the best rosters probably ever constructed, and I think it's important that you have the depth because this allows you to ease guys through the regular season and then possibly be 100% for the postseason where – you don't need James Harden playing, you know, 40 minutes in a regular season games to win, and you know, get the seating that you want. But Jack, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? No, nah, mate. it was just hopefully look either way. We'll, we'll find a way to put out content. And, you know, if, if it means Nick has to bring his microphone to his goddamn wedding day um, <laughs> and, and the Kyrie Irving extension does happen and we'll do some sort of live periscope or Twitter spaces. Either way, uh, it's fun being a Nets fan. It's fun putting out content and it's fun talking about this team because um, there, there are bigger things to come, Nick, but it's also fun just talking about the little wrinkles along the way. And Paul Millsap, another new little wrinkle to this otherwise pretty flawless team in a lot of ways. I agree, Jack. And I think like you kind of talked about a lot through the last year is just kind of enjoying the process, enjoying the journey and different elements. And this is just kind of cool. Like Paul Millsap's a guy that a lot of Nets fans have won on the roster. Obviously he's not in his prime, but it's cool to see him on the team and just see all these veterans and, you know, great NBA players want to come to Brooklyn, but Jack, always a pleasure. And big thanks everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. Five stars, please. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.